All right, 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18. And um, the verse, the verses, there's only two verses, so wow, we, that's going to be brief to keep us. That's good. Verse, uh, <clears throat> Paul says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. But we all, I added the amen. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray God a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. We ask that you just help us. Lord, I need your help uh, all the time. And, and Lord, I pray you help teach us today. One of the things that you say in your word is that uh, you will teach us all things whatsoever you've said to us. And we are comforted, and we're thankful for the Holy Ghost that's in us. Lord, I pray, God, your Spirit would lead and guide us in all wisdom. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, Jeff, do you have an outline? We're almost done with this. If you, you Okay. Um, so we get, we've been uh, you know, just covering this credible Christian life, uh, communicate biblically, um, care for the body, give God uh, the credit. Don't compromise. Those are the things of chapter 2. And then we got to chapter 3. And we saw that, uh, you know, Paul's asking for evidence. Where's the spiritual fruit? Um, and then he talks about in verses 4 through 16, the spiritual ministry. And then the thing we're going to talk about tonight is the spiritual growth, which I think is, you know, what we're always looking for around here. When you take discipleship, how to discipleship class, I think everybody's been here, everyone in here tonight, other than Elizabeth, has been through has been through how to disciple class, and uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but one of the things that, that we talk about in how to disciple class is how important it is to disciple, but yet how difficult it is to get excited about, to, to drum up energy on excitement, because it's, or on excitement, on, on discipleship, because it's like farming, you know, it's just not instant, it's not instant gratification, and I, I do think that's probably one of the things that's, that's uh, you know, in our culture today, people are more and more, especially the younger they get with the technology, instant gratification, you know, it's just, you know, we went from conventional ovens to microwaves to, you know, fast food restaurants. I mean, it's just fast, 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 fast. But fruit doesn't always, fruit, fruit doesn't come like that, right? And you know, living out here, as I said this morning, where the, the pavement ends and the gravel begins. <laughs> so we know, we know that things take time to grow. And not only that, you got to have the Spirit of God. So Paul in this verse is, um, you know, may not look like a, really when you, the, the title or the, the for tonight, which is the point really, where is the spiritual growth? This is the third question. Where is the spiritual fruit? Where is the, where is the New Testament ministry? Uh, you know, so the spiritual fruit is based on temporal things or eternal souls. What are we focused on? The, the New Testament ministry is, is really a, a contrast between religion and relationship. And the spiritual growth, uh, he says, the Lord is that spirit. What spirit? Well, um, you know, the same spirit that revealed that, 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 that God was working with Moses is given to us, but Moses is under bondage and we're free. And that's the previous verses. It, it says in verse 12, seeing then that we have such a hope, we use great plainness of speech. So Paul's talking about the clarity, uh, right, in which, in which uh, he's communicating Seeing then that we have uh, such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. 
but their minds were blinded. For until this day there remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So he contrasts the veil that Moses had when he come down from Sinai because he, he was literally glowing for being in the presence of God's glory. And he put that veil on so Israel, you know, uh, they could deal with him, uh, so to speak. Uh, well, he says, now the veil's still on. So they're not, we don't have a veil on. We're, we're glowing, right? Uh, we're giving out the light. Uh, and so he says, they're still in darkness. Nevertheless, when it shall, uh, when it, meaning the nation of Israel, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And so they'll finally see who he is. But he says, now, this is where we are tonight, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Notice what he says in verse 18. But we all, all of us, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So he mentions the spirit here twice in verse 17 and then in verse 18 and the work of the spirit of God in our life. And so the Lord is that spirit, he says in verse 17. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the obviously the Holy Spirit. These three are one. It says in First John chapter five and verse seven. That's under attack, by the way. Uh, it's interesting if you and I know you guys know this verse, um, but this week twice someone called me. Two different people contacted me about the word of God being corrupted, and um, not because I mean just sincerely discovering it on their own. The same exact passage. It wasn't this one, but one of the passages that's highly attacked by the critical text is First John chapter 5 and verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Well, that's what Paul says. Now, the Lord is that Spirit, right? The Lord Jesus is that Spirit. These three are one. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, and then in verse 8 it says, And there are three that bear record or witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. And so, um, so the thing that is interesting about that, and the reason I bring up the Word of God being uh, corrupted, is because the devil still wants to put a veil on people. He wants to diminish the glory of God's Word, and he corrupts the Word of God. And and so this week, two two different people, two different complete situations, called me about the same verse in Isaiah fourteen twelve about Lucifer being the son of the morning. I thought, what in, what are the chances of this? And uh, I don't know why even. I didn't ask. I mean, they're totally unrelated in our church. One's a teenager and one's a, an adult, and they're not even connected. And on different days, different times, they both grabbed me and they said, you know, why does Isaiah 14 call Lucifer the son of the morning? And I thought, well, that's a really good question in both parts. And I, and I explained to them um, basically what, what the Bible says in Isaiah 14, 12, that, he's the, that Lucifer is the son of the morning. He is not the morning star. But that was the real question. Why do they call him the morning star? I call him the son of the morning because that's what it says in, in Isaiah 14, 12. Uh, and so I explained that to them. I said, well, uh, it doesn't actually say, you know, uh, he is the morning star. There's a difference. And I showed them, you know, the verses in Re Revelation where Jesus is expressly called the, the, the uh, morning star. And then they could see with clarity, which that brought another question, which is, well, why would they do that? I'm like, I can't answer for them. But one of the reasons the devil does that, uh, he wants to cloud the word of God. He wants to put a veil over people's eyes so they can't really, you know, and don't get me wrong. People can get saved, you know, out of other Bibles and so on and so forth. Uh, but but the reality is the devil has never quit, has never 
quit trying to blind people from the simplicity that's in Christ. Yeah, I will be like the most high. Yeah. Yeah, he can't be him. Yeah. And uh, he will fall, falls far short. Well, and that's the next move on the chess piece is to be like him, you know. Um, so today God lives in us. Praise God. It's pretty simple. But, you know, we kind of gloss over that. And I think the more as we go forward, too, I think it's really important that we take into account that the spirit of God dwells in us. Um, and we have that same spirit. And that's another encouraging thing. The same spirit that was working with Moses, the great Moses of the Old Testament, parts the Red Sea and, uh, you know, opens the earth and swallows people up and brings water out of the rock, brings manna, and does all that activity through the nation of Israel under Moses' leadership is the same spirit that's in us and the same access to God even more so that Moses had. They had to go through the, the, the tabernacle. We, we have a direct, we are the tabernacle. So what an incredible blessing that is. So today we serve and we give and we minister. And that spirit is also mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which we already covered in verse 6. And he says, uh, <clears throat> who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. So Jesus Christ has made us ministers. Paul, or uh, Paul, uh, <clears throat> Moses was a minister and Joshua was his minister. And so we're ministers. So we're, we're in a good, we have a good heritage. If Jesus lives in you, you're free to serve him, and you are at liberty, is what he says in verse, verse. Uh, um, oh, I'm in First John, no wonder I can't find my, I'm like, that's not what it says. Okay, that's what it says in verse 17. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And uh, of course, as Americans, we always think of liberty in the context of citizenship and freedom, uh, <clears throat> but we are liberated in the, in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so that's point A, is now the Lord is that spirit. Point B is Christian growth is a daily process. Uh, and then Paul, Paul kind of, you know, he transitions here. He says, but, you know, even though we have this great liberty, we're not, we're not, we don't have a veil over our face. We're given the word of God. Uh, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, right, with this liberty, the glory of the Lord are changed into that image from glory to glory, even as by the, the spirit of the Lord. So you don't get it all in one bite. I mean, you do when you get saved. You get all the spirit of God in you. But uh, we know that sanctification positionally happens in a moment when you get saved. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. We're set apart for God's use. But but practically speaking, we daily, right? It's, that's what uh, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so learning that, that we are free from the law of sin takes us, uh, uh, sin takes time um, it takes time to really grasp the, the freedom that we have in Christ and that we're, we are free in Christ. So learning that you're free from the law of sin takes time. Uh, and then what, ha what helps us with that is seeing that we're in Christ. And I've got to get my words together here. So <clears throat> how do we do that in a practical sense? Well, we do that through spending time and uh, contrasting our lives in the flesh uh, to the glory revealed in our relationship to Christ. So we really, we look into the perfect law of liberty, <clears throat> and it's like a, beholding our face in the glass. You know, Paul talks, uh, not Paul, but uh, uh, James talks about, you know, you don't want to forget what manner of men you, you were, right? And uh, <clears throat> and so we look in that, in that, and we see Christ, and that's who we're going to, we need to be like, and we, he transforms us into his image. So uh, kind of going back to where we left off this morning in Romans chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, 
a very familiar passage, <clears throat> and this is a really practical way of approaching this. Uh, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So do we just do that? We do that when we get saved. We give him our heart, but he's not talking about one time, is he? He's talking about a perpetual, um, you know, kind of an attitude, really. Uh, and he's because he's asking them, he's strongly encouraging them. Um, he's saying, "Hey guys, I, I beseech you, you know, I, I, I'm really, I really want you guys to do this, but ultimately it has to be your own will. You have to be willing to do this. Um, present your bodies a living sacrifice." Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we are holy, but we need to be holy as we're holy, right? As he is holy. Uh, be holy, be ye holy as he is holy. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the word of God is perfect, and as we spend time in it, um, you know, we see the perfect law of liberty, and, and it changes us. Uh, from day to day, from glory to glory. And and so it goes on to say, For I say through the grace that is given unto me to every man that is among you, <clears throat> not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So this uh, process, as we look at the, look into the word of God first, it humbles us according to what Paul is asking here in Romans chapter 12, strongly encouraging, uh, and we understand then how we fit into the body. So there's a, there's a distinct connection between how we view Christ, how that reflects on us, and when we're like him, we become humble, and we, then we connect to the body. Because Romans chapter 12, uh, there's more to it than most people only know verses 1 through 2 or 1 and 3, but the reality is, is it's all about the body connecting to one another. Right, And so what is Paul's issue with the Corinthians? Well, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, because they were having schisms and divisions. and Well, now in the second one, they're questioning his credibility. And Paul is a humble man, uh, but, but he's really encouraging them. You know, I need to see the fruit. Where's your fruit? Are you minded on temporal things? Or are you minded on eternal things? Where's your New Testament ministry? Um, do you have a religion? Or are you, are you, do you have a relationship? And then where's your spiritual fruit? Uh, is it spiritual or is it carnal? Uh, and so <clears throat> it's a process of being transformed as we renew our mind uh, day by day, you know, glory to glory. This is, the, this is the glory of God, and it shines brightly. And so just as Paul had to transform his mind from the bondage of uh, the Old Testament law to the liberty in Christ, can you imagine that? I mean, where he had to go in his mind? It didn't take him very long. Uh, he's a quick learner. But he did spend some time in Sinai, just like Moses. So here, 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 Paul is probably walking in similar footsteps as Moses. He's meeting with the Lord, and yet he comes to the church and he says, "Guess what, guys? I don't have a veil over my face. I'm bringing you the. I'm giving you the glory of God, just as I've received it. We are not under that bondage of the Old Testament law. So Paul had to process that, and we need to. We have to process that as well." First, we've got to understand the Word of God, and then we've got to know how it effectually works in us that believe. And so we've got to consider daily the image, the glory of God uh, that lives in our tabernacle. And uh, I know I'm guilty. I'm the pastor here, so I'm sure everyone struggles with just putting ourselves in context, really. 
I guess that's a good way of saying it. Putting ourselves in context, knowing that the God of the universe lives in our body. You know, there's no, we don't have to go through the law. We don't have to go through, we don't have to have the priest uh, go in once a year and make atonement for our sins. When we read the New Testament, we have full access to the kingdom. That's why we're here tonight. We, we're coming as ambassadors. We're coming as priests. We come as kings to intercede, to pray. And uh, we, have, uh, we have an amazing access to God's glory that uh, Moses could only have dreamt of. And, and here we are. He didn't have those complete the New Testament. We do. Um, and so <clears throat> it's amazing uh, the access that we have to God. So third thing, what is blocking the glory of God's image from shining from our lives? Now, Paul's going to go on in chapter 4, and, uh, and notice what he, and I'm not going to get into that tonight too far, but notice what he says then. He goes, therefore, so everything that chapter 4 is hinging on is everything that he said in chapter 3 and chapter 2. Uh, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Okay, so uh, he's talking about the mercy they've received. And he goes on and talks about what, what they've done. They've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And notice what he talks about. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And here we go. The devil's actively working. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, should, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So you know what? Paul was getting the light out, <clears throat> and there was an active... Uh, again, people, I know, and I'm not against, the, the, I understand God is sovereign, uh, but there's also an active battle underway, and you see that in verse 4, because, um, or I'm sorry, in verse um, um, verse 4, yeah, verse 4, because Satan, the God of this world, is actively, he is blinding the minds, he's blinded them which believe not, lest, right, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. And so <clears throat> this time in which we are alive in this tabernacle with the fullness of God's glory, with the, the, the word of God available to us to look at uh, to, to, from glory to glory so we can continue to grow spiritually, not only grow but, but glow. I mean, that's the reason that we grow is so that we can glow. And the light needs to shine out in our life. And that's what Paul's saying. There's a difference in our life. We, we, have, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We're not doing this for any other reason other than Jesus Christ's sake. And we are actively engaging in a conflict with, with the forces of darkness. And we are exposing the gospel, which is the, which is the very, and giving the very image of God, Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. I mean, he's just really very clear in that. And so, that's a really uh, a nice segue out of chapters 3 into chapter 4 uh, <clears throat> because what is blocking the glory of God's image from shining in our life? Because if it's something's being blocked here, then it's not going to be manifest to other people. And so there's a lot of things that we could allow in our lives to quench the spirit, as, as the book of Ephesians call, calls it, uh, or grieve the spirit of God. And, uh, man, I tell you, <clears throat> I don't think I appreciate probably... Um, how sweet the opportunity is right now to, to grow so we can glow. You know, this is about the one of the best times to be alive. What an opportunity that God has put us in as Christians right now. You know, 
I think about just the, I just been thinking about this the other day how the aggregate how the world's been agricultural it's been relatively slow moving communication's been slow uh, information's been slow uh, up until <clears throat> you know the printing press and then after the printing press it's still compared to you know that was like revolutionary light speed for most people back in the day but for us that's nothing you know we come into the television age the radio age, television comes along, <clears throat> the space age, and as things have just continued to increase, so is the darkness, right along with it. Because this isn't the only, you know what, the Gutenberg Press started with this, but you know what, today the media outlets are not publishing the Word of God. A little church out in the cow field, <laughs> is, 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 and churches like Milford and many, there's many others, you know, little light bulbs on the porches around this country, the, we're, we're the ones publishing the Word of God, and the, the publishing houses are only in it for the money. You know, you, you see that. It, they, they're they not doing it honestly. It's dishonest. It's greedy of gain. That's why they got to come out with a new perversion every other year or less so that they can keep cranking out new copyrights and keep on getting the cash. Well, guess what? <clears throat> that's not who we are, and that's not what we're about. And so... By God's grace, we'll be able to f fulfill, you know, the, the, the call of Philippians chapter 2 to be a, a church in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And there, and Paul continues with that theme, uh, as you guys well know, in Philippians chapter 2. And, and after he gives Christ his due and talks about every knee bowing, every tongue confessing, verse 11, uh, uh, to the glory of God and the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and do his good pleasure. How do we glow? Well, this is how we glow. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine, ye shine, I'm sorry, not you shine, ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And so really, that's one of the things we do right here is we hold forth the word of life. We continue to display. We keep the lights on because this is the liberty wherewith we have been made free. It's a blessed thing to grow, but it, we don't just grow to grow. We grow to glow because we are the light of the world, and God wants people to see the gospel. So how are your credentials? Is there evidence in your life that you, that you are a spirit-filled Christian? You know, uh, that's really the question. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? Where is the spiritual fruit? Are we focused on temporal things, uh, or are we focused on the souls of men? Uh, where is the New Testament ministry? Is it a religion or a relationship? And lastly, where is the spiritual growth? Is it bondage of sin or liberty in Christ? And so... I pray that we're all walking in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And I know you guys are. Nobody made you come tonight. You're free. So thank you for coming. And and uh, next week we'll jump into chapter 4 and uh, continuing. Um, what is the, um, uh, not the, uh, what is the, what is blocking the glory of God's image from shining in your life? So that's a question. Oh, um,
no, oh, hang on, no, you're right, I don't, um, I don't know. What, are, yeah, what image are we reflecting? Yeah, that is it. But I didn't, I don't think I put that in there. Yeah. What image are we reflecting? The image of Christ or our own image? So thank you. Yeah. God's image from shining in your life. Yeah, it's the image. Which image are you reflecting? Because we have a choice every day whether we reflect the old man or the new man. And uh, it's, you know, I think all of us are a little bit schizophrenic at times. You know, one minute you're reflecting the old man and the next minute you're hopefully more than one minute. Hopefully most of the time we reflect the the image of Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the DMV. Yeah, that'll bring out the flesh real quick, won't it? So they turn out the lights and bring the darkness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? <laughs> so, amen. Well, guys, let's, uh, um, I'm going to just uh, turn this off, Jamie. I think we're done with the recording. And uh, we will commence to pray.